0: amen let's get into the word uh today's message is going to come from the gospel according to luke the 24th chapter i'm going to be reading verses 13 through 35 Again, that is the gospel according to Luke, the 24th chapter, verses 13 through 35. Uh, There are many translations of God's word. Uh, Today I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. Let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Now. What are you discussing together as you walk along?" They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, "'Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened here, there in these days?' "'What things?' he asked. "'About Jesus of Nazareth,' they replied. He was a prophet powerful in the word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this all took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. O Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name is great and greatly to be praised. Here I am, but your humble servant tasked with preaching the word. Lord God, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, that I can work under you and not under man in this word, and that people will not see me, but they'll see Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, For the time that we get to spend together today, I'd like to talk a little bit about well-known Christians. Well-known Christians. Uh, I've been having a conversation with people uh, throughout the week in preparation for this sermon and asking, um, you know, who are some of the famous Christians they know? who are some well-known Christians, not necessarily in the Bible, but just in general. And if you ask people around, there are quite a few well-known Christians. Uh, There's Mother Teresa, who was a Catholic nun and missionary who dedicated her life to serving the poor and the sick in India. There's Martin Luther, a German theologian who is credited with initiating the Protestant Reformation. Uh, He took uh, 95 reasons he had issues with the Catholic church at that time and nailed them to the wall. And and we have the the Lutheran denomination that descends from that. Uh, More recently, there are people like Billy Graham, who was uh, an American evangelist uh, who preached to millions of people around the world and and was considered at one point one of the most influential Christian leaders in the 21st century. Uh, There is a C.S. Lewis, who is uh, a well-known British author and and theologian, and he wrote uh, many books, uh, including Mere Christianity and uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, Of course, uh, one of the largest denominations is that of the Roman Catholic Church, and and whoever is in charge of the Roman Catholic Church at that time is pretty famous. Uh, So there would be an argument that Pope Francis, the current leader of the Catholic Church, is one of the prominent religious figures today um uh, there's uh you know i i can't go too many places without somebody have not uh, having on their bookshelf or have read the purpose-driven life uh, by Rick Warren, so one could argue that that American pastor and author who founded Saddleback Church and wrote the books, uh, the best-selling book Purpose-Driven Life, is not a well-known Christian. And of course, since we are uh, in the Wesleyan stream, the Wesleyan denomination, of course, we we would be remiss if we didn't mention somebody like John Wesley, uh, who is the 18th century. English Anglican preacher who uh, helped to found the Methodist movement, uh, which has gotten many streams of of Methodism uh, that. Uh, are, are are connected to it, uh, but you don't have to go searching all wide and far to find well-known Christians. Uh, there are local names as well, uh, where this church is currently located in Dickinson, Texas. Uh, there there are names that are famous to Christians around here. If I were to say names like Hobbs or Veezy or Warren or Winfield or Pearson, that would mean something to the members of this church and the people in the surrounding area. Uh, Some people are famous and some people are not, but walk with me for a little bit while we go into the scriptures and come across two people on a walk to Emmaus, and they run into the most famous person of all, the most important person of all in this thing called Christianity, uh, uh, but don't recognize him. Uh, the walk to Emmaus is interesting because it's only in the gospel according to Luke. Uh, the, the passage about the walk to Emmaus is not in the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, or John, only in Luke. And it's about a walk that uh, the uh, a named disciple by the name of Cleopas and a, another named, unnamed disciple rather are doing that. And, and, and Jesus meets his followers as they are on the way to a small village from From Jerusalem. It is not a short walk. Uh, so it's not a short talk. They are walking and talking, and you'll see in the text, and uh we don't know exactly where Emmaus is, and there's some some debate on the translation, uh, the, the the verse that says uh seven miles, uh um could be translated to actually mean twenty miles, the Greek word that they use for that, so we know it 's anywhere from seven miles to twenty miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus and and the the passage begins with two people who have been among the disciples and and, and the disciples were looking for Jesus. At the empty tomb. Now we don't know why they're going back to Emmaus. Perhaps it's their hometown. Perhaps they have some business they have to do there. Uh, but the, the, the interesting thing about me is that the movement toward Emmaus, uh, is probably not as significant as the movement away from Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, they watched uh, their leader, their savior, their Messiah, get crucified and killed like a common criminal, and they have left. They have walked away from a bad situation. Uh, The text even says that they are downcast when they are asked about it, Uh, but they are going from Emmaus, or they are going from Jerusalem, rather, to Emmaus. And, And while they are on this walk, uh, to Emmaus, uh, they have a reunion with Jesus. They have a reunion with Jesus. The two believers are joined by the risen Savior, and they have a discussion about the crucifixion. But even though they are having a discussion about the crucifixion, they are in darkness. Uh, neither disciple recognizes Christ Jesus when he comes. Uh, I would submit to you that they probably did not recognize him because he was out of context. Let the church say context. Uh, put context in the comments. Um, a couple of years ago, I got really sick. I had to have multiple surgeries. I had a post-operative infection. I had a bag connected to me for quite some time. I I praise God for the healing. I praise God for the recovery. But I bring that up because I went to a hospital on multiple occasions in order to have the tests and the surgeries and had to stay in the hospital for multiple procedures. And this happened to be a hospital that my wife used to serve at as chaplain. Now, Uh, My wife had worked there for an entire year as chaplain before she got appointed to another church. But when she went back there, A lot of the employees did not recognize her. She had to remind them who she was because they would be shocked at the specificity in her questions. They would be shocked when she knew that when this person was coming in, that this was what was going to happen. And that if this person came to check on me that had this job, they were almost ready to discharge me. And and, and then she said, they're going to be asking you these kinds of questions. And the people got shocked at the questions because they didn't recognize her because she had not worked there in a while and she was out of context. They were used to her being in a suit with a Methodist hospital chaplain badge and maybe sometimes even wearing a clergy shirt. And so when she shows up at the place and she's wearing whatever she put on because we had to go to the hospital, they didn't recognize her. And so they didn't recognize, just like they didn't recognize my wife at the hospital, they may not have recognized Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus. But they have this, this, this reunion with Jesus and that reunion is followed by a request. Uh, the request, Jesus wants to know why they are so sad. They thought that they had a a savior that was going to save them militaristically from the oppression that the Roman government was going to that was putting on them. They thought that everything was going to go the way they planned it. But can I tell you everything will not go the way you planned it if you just keep on saying good morning, if you just keep on getting up in the morning, sooner or later, you're going to come across something that does not go the way you want it to. But you still have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. You still have to keep saying, for God, I live and for God, I die. You still have to keep pressing forward. But it's OK to be sad. Just don't stay there. And so they tell them, they, the the people, Cleophas and uh, the unnamed disciple, tell the Messiah, their problem. This crucifixion has dashed their hopes and dreams and, and perhaps they don't know or they, they think it, it, it might be that Jesus is not the Messiah. They didn't expect their Messiah to be crucified like a common criminal and they tell them their problem. And then they also not only have this problem that their savior, the one they thought was going to deliver them was crucified. Uh, but they also have a puzzle. Uh, the women the women went to the tomb and found it empty and and, and were told by two angels that he is not here. He has risen. So they are talking about their problems and on top of the problems, they're puzzled. I, I confess to you that I, I can sympathize with Cleopas and this unnamed disciple because I can deal with problems as long as I have a plan on what to deal with it. If you if you tell me that something costs too much, I need to know exactly how much it costs so I can put together a plan to get it. If you can put all the problems in front of me, or as one of my old bosses, you say, I'm gonna just tell you the truth and let you deal with it. If you put it in front of me, I'll at least be able to see how I can break it down to bite size. But if you have the Messiah crucified like a common criminal, and now his his body is not even in the tomb. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so they put in their reply, and their reply is met with the rebuke. Uh, Jesus points out that they, uh, may have forgotten some of these scriptures. He says that they have forgotten the prophecies. They see, he's saying that they have forgotten some of the things that were going on. So he, he reminds them. Now, now Luke leaves us to wonder, but, if, but in my imagination, he might have reminded them of passages like, uh, Deuteronomy 8 and 18 and 18 that says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you among your people, I will put my own words in the mouth of the prophet and he shall speak to them everything I command. Or he may have brought up Isaiah 53, uh, fourteen, uh, 13 and 14, where it reads, see my servant shall be exalted and lifted up and many were astonished at him. Uh, he may have brought up some things about that uh, the government will be on his shoulders and unto us a child is born and he shall be wonderful and counselor and Emmanuel, uh, uh, scripture after scripture Reminds us that he poured himself out to death and was numbered among the transgressors, yet bore the sin of many. Sometimes you got to remind yourself that weeping may endure for a night, but joy shall come in the morning. Sometimes you got to remind yourself that the many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them from you. You got to remind yourself that he who has begun a good work in you shall perform it until the completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. You got to remind yourself, I'm not the head. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and shall never be beneath. Remind yourself what's going on in this Bible that that soothes our doubts and calms our fears, that, that lets us know that all things shall work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so he reviews to them all of these Old Testament passages that speak of him. All of the Old Testament prophecies that let them know that this was supposed to happen. I know it's rough right now, but this was supposed to happen. And when that happens, they arrive at their destination. And the disciples say, stay with us a little while. And when they say stay with us a little while, we ought to do that. Um, there's a there's an evangelism book I had uh, leadership at the church go through, it, and it's a wonderful book about evangelism. But it's called Get Their Name, and in Get Their Name, uh, the thing that they talk about in this book, Get Their Name, is that one of the struggles with evangelism when you're trying to invite people to the church is uh, most people stop at inviting people to the church. Um, they don't have a come sit with me moment with the new person. They don't have a come eat with us, come, it's just glad you're here, handshake, high five, holy hug. and then we go into our little clicks and and stick at where we're at. And but these disciples, they they got it, even though they hadn't recognized Jesus yet. and so they they fumbled the ball on that part, but they at least had a come stay with us moment. Come do life together. Let's not just worry about the one hour or so that we spend once a week, but come do life together. And they had a meal. They invited him in to a meal and then they gave him some bread. And he took the bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, blessed him. And when he prayed and distributed the meal at that moment, they recognized him. At that moment, when he broke bread with them, they said, I, I know something about that. I've, I've been at the table with somebody like this before. I recognize them and we can find Jesus in all kinds of places and not recognize them if we're not looking for the little things. Jesus lives and abides with us and can be found in us, but not just us and not just in this building. The church is not an exclusive club. Jesus meets us where we are. And sometimes in the most unexpected ways, sometimes in the most unexpected people, and sometimes out of context. What if Jesus had said, you know what? They left, I'm gonna leave them. They don't need to meet the risen Savior since they headed back to Emmaus. Thank God he didn't. And when they had understand, there was a miracle and he disappeared out of sight. And they reflected on it. They meditated on it and said, didn't our hearts burn? Didn't our hearts feel strangely warmed as he talked to us on the roads and explained the scriptures to us? And here's what I like so much about this passage. Not only did Jesus meet them where they were, not only did Jesus uh, uh, still reach out to them even though they were going away, but after all of that, after they've seen uh, the meal and, and, and had the miracle and meditated on the miracle that they just received, they went on a mission. The two disciples now return to Jerusalem and report all of what they heard to the apostles. See, when you come in contact with Jesus, you're not supposed to keep it to yourself. When you've seen the risen Savior, you're not supposed to just sit on it and pretend like, oh, well, that was great and go on about your business. No, no, no. You've got to tell somebody this joy that you have. You cannot keep it to yourself. And just like they did on the walk to Emmaus, they went and told somebody about it. We ought to be able to tell somebody about Jesus. We ought to be able to tell somebody about this risen savior and the pardoning of our sins, the one that walks with us and and talks with us and tells us that he loves us. And the joy that we share when we tarry there in those things is a joy that other people can know. We just have to be willing to share it with them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, we love you, we honor you, we praise your holy name. We thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above. We thank you for this word, for those who heard it, and those who will hear it later, that they'll ask if they don't know Christ in the pardoning of their sins, what must I do to become saved? Lord God, let your holy work do it, do let your holy spirit do its holy work in your holy people of your holy church through your holy kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor Simp Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching and God bless.